Hey, it's Jamie Scrimger. When I became a stepmom, I quickly realized that while moms are encouraged to keep it real, there's a big double standard when it comes to stepmoms. So I decided to start the conversation myself. Thriving as a stepmom doesn't just come from conversations about being a stepmom now. Here we dive into marriage, relationships, personal growth, and more. My mission, inspire you to live a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. This is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Okay, guys, I have a question for you. Do you ever notice that you're not fully breathing? Like stop right now and take a full breath, like a full deep breath. (sighs) Like I'm doing it with you. Sometimes it can feel weird, but literally breathe all the way in and all the way out. Like how freaking good does that feel? And it is one of the simplest things to do to calm your body and to reset. But so often we don't take advantage of this tool that we have. And it's like right inside of us. I know for me, if I'm feeling stressed or if I'm in the middle of something, I'll notice I'm like, I'm not even freaking breathing right now. Anyway, breath work, so freaking powerful, breathing, so freaking important. So today's guest is Ashley Neese. She is a breath work teacher. She is the author. She is the host of the Deeper Call podcast. And recently she released a book, Permission to Rest. And I listened to it on Audible and it was exactly what I needed to hear. And I think that you're going to feel the same. So in this one, Ashley and I dive into burnout, why you can't rush healing, the grief that comes from slowing down, the power of breathwork in dealing with stress and anxiety in life, how to start a breathwork practice, and what happens when we turn towards rest. Ashley shares her experience with burnout, recovering from addiction, and how she was forced to make major changes in how she was showing up. I also share a little bit about my experience with burnout and anxiety. I've talked about this in past episodes, but we kind of dive into it in this one as well. And You know, over the last several months, I've been really tuning into my body and listening to my body and resting when I need it. Hence, taking a break from the podcast last October until, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I used to feel so guilty for just sitting down and reading a book or not working on my laptop when I was watching a show or not doing something. I've been ingrained in this hustle culture since I've built this platform and burnout is a real thing. And I know I'm not alone and I know that a lot of women can relate to this, but you feel guilty for resting, but it is productive. Rest is productive. Rest is often what we need. In fact, since I have been resting more and taking more space and really practicing tuning into my body, I actually feel more aligned and more productive than I ever have. Anyways, I could go on and on, but this is such a great episode. Ashley is amazing. And I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. So let's dive in. Ashley, I am so excited that we are finally making this happen. I already know it's going to be fire and we haven't even started. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to it as well. You know, I think the best place to start is I would love to hear a little bit about your own personal journey and who you were before you learned the power of breath work and, you know, rest and all the things that you're doing now, what got you to this place? Mm. 
you know, so many things got me here, which I'm sure makes sense for a lot of people. And it definitely wasn't like a linear kind of straightforward path. But, you know, where I typically start is in my early 20s, I got sober. And that was a really big turning point for me in my life. It was a turning point in, you know, how I was managing my emotions and trauma and really for the first time in my life facing these aspects of myself that I've been running from for so long and medicating for so long. You know, I started drinking and using drugs when I was really young in middle school. And, you know, I got sober at 21 and never, you know, all like my teenage years, even up until that moment, never really saw myself living past 30. Like it was just, I was always kind of living in the moment, running from, you know, all the things that I was running from. And so to sit here now you know, as a a mother in their forties now, it's just, it's sometimes I'm just kind of like, whoa, like look at my life. It's so expansive and it's so different than what I could have even imagined for myself all those years ago. And, you know, I, like many people didn't come into sobriety easily, but it was definitely at the time, you know, they say like the last house on the block, like I tried so many other things and the thing that I never tried before was like being with myself because it was just too painful and too scary. And, you know, my process has definitely evolved since then. It's definitely today not about, you know, keeping myself away from drinking. My life is so much bigger than that, which is amazing. I also never thought that would happen. I was like, am I ever going to stop thinking about wanting to disappear? Am I ever going to stop like obsessing about just getting out of my body and all the different things like dying basically? So it's been just such a beautiful journey, such a painful journey, such a like reckoning with my history, with my lineage, with our culture, you know, all the different things that we have to reckon with, you know, as women. And yeah, it's just like now when I sit and think about my recovery journey today, I don't identify as an alcoholic. I don't even identify as an addict. I think that for me, I've those labels that just started to become really confining because what I got really clear on is that I didn't drink because I was addicted to alcohol. I drank because I had trauma, you know, and alcohol was the medicine. And so as I started to heal the trauma, the pathways for kind of numbing and the pathways for getting out of my body shifted. Like I didn't want to access those pathways anymore. And today my deepest intention is to just stay as present as possible, even if that means I'm wildly uncomfortable or angry or in pain or even having joy, right? So that's the intention that I'm holding in all the work that I do, whether that's through breathing, whether that's through resting, like all the practices that I embody, all the practices that I offer are pathways into ourselves and into presence and into connection with each other. And there's so many ways to do that. I've just found that breath and rest are the two kind of just two foundational practices that so many of us don't even know how to do. (laughs) You know, I definitely didn't know how to breathe well, and I definitely did not know how to rest until quite recently. (laughs) And there's still practices, you know, I just want to offer that as well. As much as I would like to say that I've arrived somewhere, I definitely haven't. I'm still on a continuum of learning and evolving and growing. But today I have just more tools and more resources than I had way back when. Mm -hmm. I love how you talk about it not being linear, because I think that's such an important message, especially for you know, people who are watching, you know, you online, watching me online or anyone online who's sharing strategies and tools from our own toolbox, things aren't perfect. You know, this really is a journey where, you know, some days you have those perfect days where your routines and your self-care and your rest and your breathing and all that, like you just kind of got it. And then other days, you know, 
pieces of your trauma can creep back in, or you can feel a little more activated, or you can get a little more loosey-goosey in things, and you can still struggle, right? And I think that that's really important for people to hear, Mm. because I don't know if, and I think we all do this, if we give ourselves enough grace when we're going through those tough periods and kind of maybe fall off, and it's not even really falling off, it's just living, right? Yeah, I think just that perspective shift in the languaging that you're using around that is so beautiful too, because I think that for myself, it's for so long, it was like, I'm either doing the thing or I'm not doing the thing. And if I'm doing the thing that I'm doing quote unquote well, and I'm being good and I'm doing it right. Right. And if I'm not, then I'm somehow bad and I'm going to fail and I'm not doing it anymore. But it's like, like you said, it's a continuum and we're always kind of doing whatever the thing is. It's just, sometimes we have more tools. Sometimes we have more resources at our disposal. Sometimes, like you said, we're just not like, I know for myself, I'll have moments where I'm like, yeah, I just actually don't want to look at that right now. And so how can I offer myself grace and compassion even in those moments to go, I don't want to look at that right now. I actually want to avoid that. That's okay. I'm going to circle back to that when I have more capacity to look at that. And I think the difference there for me is the consciousness around it. And that's not to say that I'm always conscious around things. I definitely have plenty of shadow and I have plenty of things that I'm unconscious of. But in the moments when I can be conscious and bring consciousness to a choice to, let's say, numb or to check out or to avoid... Those are like, you know, big strategies for me growing up and they still can be strategies that can be really helpful. But as long as I bring consciousness to it already, that perspective shift is a doorway somewhere else, right? Because I'm acknowledging the thing that I'm doing. It's like the same thing with the phone and like the social media and the, you know, all the phone addiction that I've struggled with over the years. It's like, if I pick up my phone and go, you know, I'm going to just check out for five minutes and I'm just going to scroll and I'm just kind of like, that's what I'm doing. That's different than just picking up my phone and like an hour later going, why am I here? What am I doing? I feel so bad about myself. Mm-hmm. So as often as I can, I try to just name the thing that I'm doing and bring that little bit of awareness to it because that shifts everything. Mm-hmm. And you talk about numbing and just trying to like get away from what's actually going on when we sit and we're silent and we process, you know, what is the thing? It's so uncomfortable just to be by yourself and to sit in silence. And it's something that I've been working on a lot over the last couple of years. And I really started to dive into my own trauma and my own, you know, abandonment wounds from my childhood and just like things that have come up that were creeping into other aspects of my life that I wasn't totally sure why I was being so activated by certain things or triggered by certain things, but it really was that past trauma and those wounds creeping in. But you're right, like it is so uncomfortable to just sit there and it is so much easier to just pour a glass of wine, (laughs) just to be like, I'm just going to like chill tonight. Right. And I would love to kind of talk a little bit about that discomfort just from your level of expertise, because I think even naming it and saying like, wow, you know, it does get a little awkward just to be here by myself or a little painful to be here by myself. What are your thoughts on that? And just like finding that, you know, space to push through Mm. and just be there. For me, it always comes down to a question of capacity. And, you know, capacity is something that requires a little bit of self-awareness, right? To know, okay, in this moment, like this moment that we're in right now, for example, you know, with everything that's been going on um, in Israel, Palestine, the last week, there's this question of like, do I have the capacity to like flip on the news right now? 
is that really what I can handle in this moment? (laughs) Or do I need to just take a minute and just like breathe and tend to my kids and be with my family and get out on the land and like do some things to really nourish myself right now? And I think there's like this choice in there because then it's like, I can ask myself, do I have the capacity for that? And if I do, sure, then I'll go ahead and do whatever the thing is. And if I don't, then it's really honoring that. Actually, that's not for, I can't do that right now. That's going to just totally throw me off. It's going to put me in a tailspin. It's going to just really kind of wreck whatever's going on for me right now. So let me just put a pin in that and I'll revisit it later. So I am often doing that own personal inquiry of myself. Just do I have the capacity for this in any given moment and with any situation, even when it's something like, you know, more benign than what's happening over there. Like if a friend is calling, Hey, we have plans this weekend. It's like, do I have the capacity to show up in the way that I want to and to really hang out with them and kind of give what I want to give? Or do I need that time to just be home and get my kids to bed and just like have the night to just rest, you know, when when the house is quiet, which is so rare because we have four kids, but it's like when everyone's down and at some point somebody gets up, of course, because they're also little. But like for those first like couple of hours when the house is quiet, like that's just such a sacred time in our household. And so sometimes it's like, oh, do I want to do that thing or do I do I have the capacity for it or do I not? And so I think that's a great place to start. But like I said, that question of capacity really requires that we do some kind of work to know ourselves. And, you know, some questions that we can ask and questions that I often ask myself around capacity are, if I engage with whatever this thing is, like, is it going to deplete me? Do I have the internal resources for this? Do I have the energy for this? Am I already feeling depleted? If I am, then it's probably going to be a no for right now. Like, let's put a pin in that. Let's revisit that later. Mm -hmm. Or let's take a rain check or let's reschedule whatever we need to do. So I think that that's always a really good place to start and just ask yourself, like, do I have the capacity for this right now? And if not, it's okay. Because you will Mm -hmm. at some point. I love that. Just being so intentional with what gets your time and the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Now you talk about rest. I've been like listening to your audiobook and diving in to all of that. And it's so, you know, it's interesting because it seems like such a simple concept, but it really is not in our society, right? Like this, like this go, go, go. And I would love to hear about your experience with burnout and how you got to this place where you were like, okay, you know, rest is going to be part of the work that I do. Hmm. I love this question. And you know, often the way I talk about burnout is that I had a series of burnouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know for some people they have one burnout and then it like changes their whole life. And I always envy those people. I'm like, wow, that must be so cool. <laughs> I'm like, I had like five or six burnouts, yeah. you know, <laughs> it took me like 10 years of like a string of, of burnouts. And I didn't write about every single one in the book because who wants to read that? But ultimately it was the last like major burnout that I went through where I couldn't do anything else. I mean, that's really what it came down to. And I say this in the book, it's like, if we don't rest, if we don't kind of integrate and incorporate and weave in some elements of rest throughout our lives, our bodies will rest. They will get rest however they can. So they will get rest through burnout. They will get rest through us not being able to do the things that we want to do. And for me, that landed me literally in bed. It's like, oh, I actually can't function in the way that I want to. And before I was in bed, I was seeing clients. And at that time, I had a really active client schedule and I was taking naps you know, in the afternoon for hours, not just like a 30 minute nap. I would nap for like two to three hours sometimes because I was just struggling so much. And then I'd get up and then I'd see a handful of clients. And at some point I remember sitting with a client and I was so exhausted. And I was like, actually, this is a disservice to my practice. This is a disservice to my client. This is somewhat unethical. Like I'm not in integrity right now with the way that I'm showing up. And so I've got to do something different. And then my body was just like, yeah, that's happening. We're just going to like get you in bed so that you rest and you literally can't do anything else. You can't think, you can't plan, you can't 
you know, show up for people in this way, you've got to show up for yourself. And it was in that moment after, like I said, all those other series of burnouts. And I was like, hmm, I'm really curious about instead of just continuing to push myself to burnout, and I had this inquiry, I don't know where it came from, right? Call it a spiritual experience, call it a God shot. But I had this inquiry of what might my life look like if I started resting even just a tiny bit every day, imagine that possibility. And I couldn't really imagine it, but I was curious enough to just follow that lead. And I was like, okay, let's just see. Let's just see what this looks like. And I think for me too, I had so many ideas about rest. I was like, well, rest is napping. That's all you do when you rest or you rest in Shavasana. I was like, those are my two kind of go-tos for rest. And I was like, rest is actually can be so much more expansive. And that's when I got really into the research, especially around nature and around you know, breath and all these other practices that we can do, they can help us shift into that restorative kind of healing state. And that became really interesting to me. I'm a curious person by nature. I'm a creative, I'm an artist. And so I'm always looking at like, what are different practices that I can do to help me rest and that are not just taking a nap? Because <laughs> I was like, that's also just kind of boring. And I wanted to do something else that didn't require sleep necessarily. And so there's, you know, so many practices in the book where we can access that downshifted nervous system state in just a few minutes. And the beautiful thing is, you know, rest is cumulative. I don't have to just go, oh, I'm going to power through all week and then I'm going to take a one hour rest break at the end of my week. My days now look like I'm going to get in two minutes of rest here. I'm going to get in two minutes of rest here. Before I pick my kids up from daycare, I literally sit in my car and put my hand over my heart and just take a minute. And I'm like, I'm just going to breathe. <sighs> okay, now I'm going to go in and get them. It's like all those little things add up to my nervous system being much more regulated, much more coherent. And my capacity grows, right? In those moments when I'm resting, I give myself capacity and I give myself grace. That's the beautiful thing too, because I think so often when I used to hear about rest, I was like, I don't have time for that. That sounds really hard. I don't always want to get in bed. And I also thought, like many of us do, I thought, well, I can just watch Netflix, right? That counts as rest. I can just like kind of zone out and watch TV. That actually doesn't count as rest. And that's something totally different, which is fine to do, but that usually doesn't downshift our nervous system into a state of restoration and healing. Like that's what we are looking at mm -hmm. for rest. You know, we're looking at that kind of biology of it and how do we get ourselves into a state of repair? Typically TV doesn't do that. It often brings us into a state of heightened <laughs> awareness and kind of like sensory overload. And it can also lead to us completely checking out, which again, is not rest. And so I had to contend with all those things because I also thought as someone who has a history of disassociating and numbing, I was like, well, that counts as rest. No, that's something totally different. That's not restorative. So yeah, I just want to start there that it's rest can be accessible. There are so many ways that we can do it. And, you know, really the model that I'm living my life in now is just what can I do to prevent burnout, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm not interested in going back into that cycle. It's so detrimental. And because my body has been through it so many times now, it's like, I know it so well, if that makes sense. So I'm just really looking at what can I do to not go back there? So one of my favorite things in the whole world is waking up early, starting a fire and sitting all cozy with a hot cup of coffee. And my second favorite thing is getting into cozy clothes or PJs at the end of a long day and just curling into bed. My daughter Reese is always like, mom, you just love to wake up and you love to go to bed. It's like your two favorite times. And it's true. I do. I love curling into bed with a book and I love waking up and just enjoying the calm before the storm. And one thing that makes this experience even better is having the best comfortable pajamas to get in bed in. 
Now, Cozy Earth is my go-to. You guys know this. If you've been listening to the podcast, they've been a longtime sponsor, and I am a huge, huge fan of this brand. Made from viscose from bamboo, they're temperature regulating and literally unreal. I have a few different pairs now, and I'm obsessed. Cozy Earth is ethically produced. The fabric feels like a cloud. It's machine washable, and it really does take your sleep and comfort to the next level. And of course, I have a code for you. You can use the code COZYJAMIE40 to save 40% off your order. Yeah, 40%. That is huge. COZYJAMIE40 to save 40% off your order. Just go to jamiescrimger.com forward slash cozyearth, and I will send you right to their website. I'm also a lover of their bamboo sheets, their loungewear, plush socks, and their beautiful waffle robe. I start and end my day with Cozy Earth, and that is not an exaggeration. Again, the long sleeve bamboo PJ set is my go-to. My second fave is the bamboo jogger set. Highly recommend Cozy Earth. It's going to change your sleep. www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash Cozy Earth and use the code COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off. You can also go straight to their website and use the code COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off. So it's the new year, and while I'm not into New Year's resolutions per se, I'm all about setting intentions. And my intention for 2024 is to look and feel my best. And in order to do that, hydration is key. Personally, I try to have at least four 40-ounce Stanleys, so like, you know, those big tumblers that everyone's carrying around on Instagram. I try to have about four of those a day, and it has changed the way that I feel. But it's not just water in the Stanley. At least one of my tumblers each day has element salt in it. Element is my go-to electrolyte drink. I have been drinking it for years. They've been a longtime sponsor of the podcast, and honestly, I'm just obsessed. Now, a growing body of research has revealed that optimal health outcomes occur at sodium levels that are two to three times the government recommendation. Salt has got a bad rep, but it is not a bad thing. We actually need it. So Element is a delicious electrolyte drink that is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs. And you know, most electrolyte drinks contain sugar and other junk, but Element is different. It has everything you need and nothing that you don't. There are no BS ingredients here. So 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. I drink it every single day. I drink it in the morning, either before or after a workout, before or after I indulge in cocktails. If I am having a little bit of a hangover, Element definitely helps. I'm actually sipping one right now because sometimes in the afternoon when I want a snack or a coffee, I go for an element instead. It's kind of like a little treat. I just love the way it tastes, specifically the watermelon flavor. Now, Darren and my stepson, Ethan, love the lime, but watermelon and raspberry are it for me. So if you are interested in trying element, go to www.drinkelement.com forward slash kickass stepmom. And if you order through that link, you'll also receive a free sample pack so that you can try all the flavors. So that's www.drinklmnt.com slash kickass stepmom. And if you order through that link, you're going to get a sample pack with all of the flavors. So this way you can figure out which one you love the most. Proper hydration is key. www.drinkelement.com forward slash kickassstepmom to get a free sample pack with purchase. I'm just crawling out of a period of burnout myself. And it's interesting. Well, two things I'd love to share. So the first was, this has happened three times now. 
And so when I'm going and going and going, I'm just like not resting. I pull my back, I pop a rib Mm. and it has happened to me so many times and it happens putting my hair in a ponytail. Like I'm not even doing anything. I'm literally just doing life and something will happen. And I am just, I'm down for the count for a week, right? I'm in bed. I'm at the chiropractor. I'm getting massages. It's like my body has to like demobilize me to give me the message. Like you need to stop. Mm. And so that had happened to me, you know, those times. And then I started to start working with a functional doctor and I got all my blood tested and all of that. And so she came back and we had our call and she's like, you're burnt toast. She's like, your body is actually in physical burnout and you are surviving on anxiety and coffee to the point my body, like my cortisol wasn't super high. It was actually very, very low. My body wasn't even like making the cortisol, like it was just like in, in pure burnout mode. And she said just how common this is among women. Like so many women are just going through life feeling so burnt out and not taking that time to just be like, wow, how do I feel right now? Like I truly believed that it was normal to be going through your whole day kind of feeling like you're late. You know, that kind of rush in your chest when you're like behind, that was like my baseline. And I don't think I'm alone in that. And I've realized just in in my experience and kind of like diving into this and I'm not doing as much breath work as I should be. But when you say just putting your hand on your chest and like taking deep breaths, like we're not even breathing. Like we're not even fully breathing most of us while we're going through our life. Like it's so crazy. And just the impact that that full breath can have is wild. It really is, Jamie. And I'm, I'm just so appreciating what you're saying in terms of the breath. So what often happens, and you spoke to this so beautifully, but that the kind of shallow breathing, not getting those full breath, that actually reinforces that kind of sympathetic activation in our nervous system as well. That's something I talk to clients about often too, is just dehydration. Like something so quote unquote simple is making sure that our bodies are hydrated. That's another thing. It's like if we're in a constant state of dehydration, guess what? Sympathetic arousal. So there's all these ways. It's like we have the world, we have our histories, we have our culture, like there's all that. And then there's also these internal ways that we've like conditioned ourselves to just like keep pushing, keep pushing, not taking care of ourselves, not doing like this, the bare minimum, like drinking enough water, right? That just already is so, so, so huge. And you know what you spoke to around not making cortisol? I had a very similar experience in my last, you know, major episode with burnout. It was about six months before I got pregnant and I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to get pregnant. And so I started working with this naturopath and we did a whole bunch of more panels and she was like, you have no cortisol, like literally none. It's like, it's just mm-hmm. way, way. And she's like, and so often, you know, and people talk about adrenal fatigue, it's like this kind of, oh, you're getting a spike, but you're getting it late at night or whatever it is. And she's like, you're not even getting a spike. You're just like flatlined. And then I went through, you know, all the herbs and all the supplements and the rest, you know, and the breathing and just all the things. And you know, shifted that within probably like five months and got myself ready to where I could conceive. But it was, it was so much and it was so shocking. Honestly, it was shocking to get those test results back because I was, I just couldn't believe it. But it also was really helpful to me to go, okay, this is actually what's happening. And this is why I just don't have any, any energy, like (laughs) literally at all. And I actually stopped working for that period as well, because I just had to, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't keep going, but that's really it. It's just that like these simple, simple things that so many of us are not doing, myself included. And that pathway 
back to ourselves, to putting our hands on our hearts and going, I deserve having just this one minute to myself. And, you know, to speak to why so many of us are living this way and have lived this way, you know, again, there's just, there's so much history to this. There's so much like all the cultural elements to this. It's like, why as women are we like just constantly pushing ourselves to this degree? And I think for each of us, it's important to do that work. Like I've had to really unpack, you know, all the conditioning, all the programming I've had around, you know, needing to just strive just like be in a constant state of striving. And that constant state of striving equates to a like constant state of urgency. And it's like you said, I just relate to that feeling so much, that feeling of like, I can never catch my breath and everything's always just two steps ahead and I'm always late and I'm always behind. But it's like that program just runs so deep in my body, in my DNA, in my nervous system. It's like, so literally reprogramming that, I'm having to confront all these aspects of myself and all these aspects of history and culture that are just heavy. And it's a lot, you know, it's a lot to sit with. And so I, I'm so glad you had me here today too, because I think part of how we do this is with each other. It's by hearing other women go, yeah, you're not alone. Like I'm going through this too. I'm not alone. You know, and we're having these really deep, important conversations and we're naming these things that I was so unconscious of even five, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. If someone was talking about this, I'd be like, what? Like, I don't even know what she's saying right now. And so to be in this place where you and I are going, hey, we're looking at our burnout. We're looking at the ways that we're pushing ourselves and we're like, just keep going. Like, what's that about? Why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like some of your desire to push and be and go like, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a creator, as a helper came from your past and your trauma to, you know, just almost trying to like prove to someone that I'm okay now. I'm better. I'm good. I'm, I'm successful. Like maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but that was definitely mine, right? Like I grew up in this situation where I was like, kind of like the bad kid. And, you know, there was like high probability I was going to be in juvenile detention for a while. Like all, all these things or like I was not the most well-behaved kid. And, and then I felt like I spent so much of my early adulthood, trying to prove that that's not my story and doing it by working and hustling and showing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that has for sure been part of it. And I think for me getting sober so young and being in 12 step groups at a young age and really running with my sobriety. And then, you know, by the time I was two years sober, I had all these people I was sponsoring and, you know, it got to the point where I was like speaking for anyone who's familiar with you know, 12 step groups, I was doing like circuit speaking, and I was speaking at big conferences. And, you know, that right there became such a big part of my identity, too. I was like, look, I'm sober now, I've gone through all these things, I'm helping all these people, like that was a huge part of it. And then a lot of that translated into my work at the time, too, and into my creative practice. When I got sober, I was finishing college. And then I went to grad school really young and worked as an artist for a long time. And then, you know, transitioned into the work that I do now. But it's, it was always that like, I'm okay. I'm not fucked up anymore. (laughs) Yeah. That was then this is now I'm just like, and it wasn't even like I'm healed. I'm perfect. But it was just literally like, I'm not fucked up anymore. See me, see me, see me. And I'm successful. I can do all these things. And then it became this other thing. And I was, I've just been unpacking this this last year with my therapist because I've recognized how much of my identity has been wrapped up in being a teacher, right? Being a breathwork teacher, being, you know, somatic teacher, like so much of my identity and so much of my value I have put in that bucket. And I got this call about a year ago to step back from teaching 
And I'm just teaching like once a quarter now, which is beautiful and it's fun and I'm doing something really different. But I got this call. I was like, I actually want to shift my life, but it was so uncomfortable to look at like, you know, how much value I placed in that bucket and how much it's like, if I take that away, it's like, what do I have left? I'm not worth anything now. If I'm not out there teaching all these people and helping all these people, like that's my value. Mm -hmm. And so really stripping that down and doing that inner work to go, oh, what is my intrinsic value? Do I have intrinsic value if I'm not like being of service all the time in all these ways? Because ultimately I had to stop that so that I could be of service to myself and to my family. Like that energy is going elsewhere, but it was just like, I'm not on the other side of it yet, but I'm getting close. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's almost integrated, but it's been such a journey to really have to unpack all those layers and sit in that discomfort of not feeling like enough Mm -hmm. if I'm not doing certain things. Yeah. If you're not showing everyone you're okay. Like, look how much I've overcome. This is my new story. Yeah. I even just recently, you know, I have a podcast, which obviously we're interviewing you for what I took a break from the podcast. And it was so hard to do because everyone's like consistency to be a successful podcaster. You got to show up every week. You got to keep doing it. Like all the messaging, right? And it's doing so well, like all of that. I was so tired and felt like I was so behind and I knew I just needed to press pause and take a break. But even when you say it out loud to people, they're like, well, do you really think you should do that? Is it that hard or could you do something different? And I think, you know, not everyone's teaching or hosting a podcast, but I think we can all kind of relate to that pressure that we think this is what we have to do, right? And just really like taking that pause and being like, well, why? what happens if I don't? What happens if I take a pause? And then you go through, right? You go through the worst case scenario, like all the things like, what does this really mean? Does this really matter? And then so many of the things we're putting so much value on in our lives is like, actually, that doesn't matter at all. Like, it's no big deal. It's actually going to be like a drop in the bucket of my life, right? And it might actually change the trajectory because I've given myself the space and this rest. But like, to even take the space to like unpack that, It's interesting because our body can really, if you give it the space, it will tell you exactly what you need. Like I sat down on the couch and I just started journaling. I'm like, and I was super activated at that time. And all of a sudden I started writing and I had written out that I was taking a pause to the podcast and written that whole thing out. I didn't even sit down with that intention, but you can't hear those calls or those downloads if you don't give yourself just like five seconds to just sit down and turn off the noise. You know, what you're speaking to is so important, that space to be able to hear ourselves. I think about this a lot in terms of just life and in terms of creativity is where it's been showing up for me and stepping more into my writing practice. And it's like in order to write, (laughs) I mean, everyone writes differently, but a lot of my writing practice happens in my head. And it happens like I'm thinking about words. I'm thinking about what I want to write about. So much happens kind of internally before I even sit down to type something out or to write something in a journal. And it requires space. It requires me walking around the land and just looking at the trees and looking at the way the light's coming through and, you know, petting the dog or whatever the thing is, but it requires that spaciousness in order to have the thing come in. And I think for so much of my life, you know, oh, it's like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing without pausing to go, wait, 
where do I want to go next? Like, what is it that I actually want to do? Cause it's so much of that is the programming of like, okay, well now you've had the successful business and the next thing you do is scale. And the next thing you do is write books. And the next thing you do, you know, it's like on this whole, they're like, wait, who even decides this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's so much of this, we get all these messages and this is how it's supposed to go. And just to your point, it's like, you have this podcast and okay, I've got to publish every week. And then we've got to do the social media. And then this, it's like, what if I just take a pause for however long and just fill my cup? And just sit with myself and go, maybe the conversations are going to be different when I come back from my break because I will have be, I'll be more filled up. I'll be more curious about X, Y, and Z because I also will have done my work. And I think that that's so important, mm-hmm. especially for the, you know, the conversation that we're having and the types of work that we do. It's like we have to fill our cups. We have to have that space to go, okay, what's next? Because that's where like that deep, deep creativity comes in and that messaging comes in and whatever's next comes in. It doesn't come in when we're like, (laughs) you know, drowning it out and all the noise or keeping ourselves way too busy to hear or feel what's next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. If someone's listening to this and they're looking for ways to incorporate rest, more rest into their, into their life, you know, they're busy. They're a woman doing all the things, showing up and they're like, one more thing, right? I'm supposed to meditate in the morning. I got a journal. I got to have my morning routine. Like, you know what I mean? Like all the things, it doesn't need to be that complicated. And I want people to understand that it's like, could be like two seconds in the middle of the day, right? Like that practice you have in your car. What suggestions do you have for them in terms of incorporating more rest into their life? And then I want to dive into just ways to maybe incorporate some breath work and what that looks like. Yeah. So for the rest piece, what I often suggest is what do you already gravitate towards? No, I think that when we do something like create a practice around something that we're already interested in, that perhaps we're already doing or that we're already gravitating towards, that's going to make it so much easier to do. It's going to make it more sustainable. It's going to make it more interesting for us. You know, often people try to pick these practices that are so out of the realm of what they would typically do or like the habits that they already have. And then it becomes this rub, there's this friction, there's this tension and there's a resistance there. And so I'm always trying to choose the path of least resistance because I think that rest in and of itself is challenging, right? It's confronting to do the things that we're talking about, to even take you know, that five minutes to just sit down and journal because there's a reason that we're not doing it. (laughs) I think that it's so important to get back to that. It's like, well, why aren't we resting? Why aren't we prioritizing that? It's like, what are we afraid to look at? What are we afraid to feel? It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. It's like, what's going to happen when we slow down? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to feel grief or I'm going to have to look at this thing. And so just to really honor that. But in terms of the path of least resistance, there's a whole chapter in the book about nature. And that's typically where I would start with somebody because I think that it's really accessible. Most of us already have some interest in nature or some connection. Like we either have plants in our house, or we have flowers out in the yard, or we have, you know, trees that we connect to in our neighborhood, or we love watching a sunset, or we're so excited when it's a full moon, right? So just think about yourself and nature and whatever nature is really accessible to you. Like, not like I have to take this trip that's six hours away to the beach, not that. <laughs> like Something that's right here, right now that you can look outside the window and see or that's in your house and start making time to connect with that. So that could be going for a walk around your neighborhood. That could be sitting with a plant in your house and just tending to it. Just take a few minutes, like really look at it, take it in. What colors are the leaves? Like what are the shapes? Like what are the textures? Just really be with that because that's already so restorative. And it also taps it into something deeper, right? So much about rest for me is about interconnection. It's about the remembrance that I'm not just this isolated human, like running around aimlessly on planet earth. Like I'm part of the earth, literally, you know? So, and we're all connected to each other and we're all connected to nature. So I like practices that 
also touch on something so much bigger, right? And something so much more meaningful and so much more vast than just whatever's happening for me in a moment. So however you can connect to nature, that's definitely where I would start and just keep it really simple. Even if it's just, you know, today I'm going to take just a walk around my block. That's like what I can manage right now. Just do that. Keep it simple. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so then let's talk about some breathwork strategies for someone's like, okay, what is breathwork? Like, what is this? Is this like sitting on a mat and, you know, doing the whole practice? And I know there's elements of that, that it is, but how can you incorporate even just breathwork into your day-to-day to help, you know, calm your nervous system down and, you know, just make you feel a little more grounded? I love this question. And, you know, similar to my response about rest, the place that I would start is with whatever habits or routines you already have. And so I love, this is from James Clear and Atomic Habits, but he talks about habit stacking. And I think this is such a potent practice. So let's say you already brush your teeth. That's an example that he uses a lot in the book. It's like, what could you do around either before you brush your teeth or after you brush your teeth in terms of a breathing practice? Or let's say you already have a meditation practice, or you already have a practice of you know, every morning you get up and you have let's say you've like dropped all the kids off at school or whatever the thing is. And you just have that moment like, Oh, okay. I've kind of done my morning thing. And now I have time for myself because I know not everyone gets up and has like 30 minutes to have a cup of tea and all these things. Like for me, like as soon as the kids are up, it's like, it's full on, you know, (laughs) until kids are dropped off until the little one's down for her nap or whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. whatever that moment is for you in that day where you're like, Oh, there's already this kind of built in space, even if it's two minutes, even if it's five minutes and do some breathing in there. And the breathing that I suggest is a slow inhale and a long exhale. So you're going to want to extend your exhale for a few counts. And what this does, the extended exhale starts to calm the nervous system. It starts to drop us down into a parasympathetic state. And you just want to do this with as much ease and kind of gentleness as possible. So it's not about forcing. It's not about kind of pushing yourself to extend that exhale, like beyond your capacity. The more you practice, the greater your capacity is going to become. So that's what's so beautiful about this practice is you will get better at it the more you do it. But just start there. Just start really slow, really gentle, inhaling through your nose, exhaling through your nose for as long as you can, and just start with five breaths Mm -hmm. and just build that in to your day wherever you need it. And I will typically suggest to you, do that as many times during the day as you can. So for just starting with five breaths, it doesn't, you know, again, it doesn't need to be a cushion and a meditation and a candle and, you know, a prayer and all this kind of stuff. That's great when you have the time, like definitely, you know, create a ritual if that's what works for you. But throughout the day, it's like, what can you do? So for me, like I mentioned, it's that kind of hand on my heart when I'm picking up the kids. And I often do that after I drop them off. What I look for in my life are moments of transition And where can I just like drop a breathwork practice into every moment of transition? Mm -hmm. I love that. There's this, I don't even know where I heard this, but it was a woman talking about when she was coming home from work and then going into mom mode, like coming from work mode to mom mode, she always sat in the driveway for five minutes and it was just her period to transition, right? To go from that mode, to take some deep breaths, to like let go of what was from the day and then go into that with a new space. But even, you know, before you go into a meeting, or, you know, a podcast interview or something like that. I've been being like, okay, I have to just stop and breathe and just like get myself into the headspace because I think we can get into this habit of like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? I'll do this. I'll do the groceries and I'm going to do the work and all the things. And I think especially as women right now, like there's a lot of pressure on women right now. I think we're starting to, you know, come around and being like, okay, this is not fair. You know, there's a lot on our plate, but I do think, you know, you're the entrepreneur, you're looking after the kids, tending to a lot of the things around the house. Like we have so many things on our list 
that taking time in those transitions to be like, okay, like what are my intentions here? And even saying like, can I delegate here? Like take some breaths and just kind of like reset. It's so powerful. Yes, it is so powerful because of what you said. And I love that you used the word reset because that's also what we're doing in those moments. We're giving ourselves a pause. We're giving ourselves a moment to kind of shift that perspective and go, oh, okay, what do I need to do here? Like you said, where can I delegate? What's really important right now? What direction do I want to go in? Because we can also just get into that like, okay, I'm just on the train and I'm just going and I'm never going to stop. That can happen so often, especially when there's so much going on to your point of just how many things, how many responsibilities there are to tend to in a day and just to be able to go, okay, what's actually really important right now? Because mm-hmm. sometimes in those moments, I find that things, they're actually more flexible than I want to believe that they are. You know, I can tend to start out the day really rigid and I'm like, okay, I've got to get all these things done and it has to happen in this way and in this amount of time. And it's like so in- intense before I even start, I'm already so keyed up and so anxious and so stressed. And I'm not a good mom if I don't. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. And so then it becomes, oh, what's really important. I love that you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Now I hear a lot about box breathing. What is the benefit of box breathing? So box breathing is a great breath technique. It's been, you know, scientifically proven. There's all this research backing it up. It increases focus. So that's one of the main things that it does. It increases our ability to focus. It also downshifts. So it downregulates our nervous system, gets us into a more kind of open, grounded, coherent space. And those two things are really, really important because you can see like once we're downshifted and once we're able to focus, there's so much more that can come from that. So it's really an empowering, empowering tool to be able to kind of do whatever we need to do that's next, right? But it's coming from that place of integration. It's coming from that place of groundedness versus like the scarcity or the rush or the like, oh my God, I need to do this. So it also changes the way our brains make decisions, right? And so it gives us more capacity to make decisions in a way that makes sense. And I think that this, especially for moms, for stepmoms, for parents, like that is so huge because our day consists of so many decisions. <laughs> it's like, I feel like that's so often what I'm doing when I'm parenting. I'm like, there's this decision, there's this decision, there's this decision. And so being able to make decisions and choices from that place of just clarity and groundedness is huge. Mm-hmm. Now you said it affects our ability to make better decisions. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So like, are you saying, you know, say you're super stressed and something happens, like just taking that space to breathe and then addressing it is a good strategy? Yeah, that's a great strategy because one thing that happens when our nervous systems get really ramped up and we're in a state of, you know, heightened sympathetic awareness or heightened, you know, a lot of people call it activation. What happens to the brains is we actually don't have as many options online. So our choices become really limited. Right. And so often in that state, the choice is like rush. The choice is like fight. You know, the choice is like run away. The choices are so, so limited. Freak out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Just like completely have a meltdown, right? Overwhelm. Right. So those are the options that are online. And so when we start to ground and we start to do a practice like box breathing or even the practice that I shared before, just extending the exhalation, what that does is it downshifts the nervous system. And once we get more into a parasympathetic nervous system state, not even fully, just as we start to downshift, all of a sudden there's a menu of options becomes so much wider. And that's where decision-making becomes really interesting. So instead of being limited to like four decisions, we might have eight options available to us. And this is also so interesting because it increases creativity, right? So what is creativity? Having a lot of different options, having a lot of different pathways, being able to think about something and go, yeah, we could do it that way. 
or we could do it this way, or maybe let's try it this way. Or what about this? And so that's when things become super interesting because now you have this whole menu of options that wasn't available before. Yeah. I love that. I was, you know, Jasmine Starr online, she's a coach and talks about, you know, building a business and stuff. And she was talking about when she feels burnt out or she feels like she's lost creativity or, you know, doesn't have any ideas. What she does is she stops working. She stops doing anything and starts to rest, starts to go and and do the things. And that's when those downloads come in and those ideas come. Cause I almost feel like, well, it's true. Our body is working so hard to, you know, calm our nervous system and to deal with all the stress and deal with all the things going on that doesn't actually have the capacity to come up with ways to minimize the impact that the stress is having on us. That's right. That's right. Mm, So good. Well, this has been so helpful. I am so excited for everyone to hear this. You are such a light and I just love how intentional you are about everything you say and just sharing your story. Where can everyone find you? You have two books. You're just like a wealth of resources. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's been so wonderful to connect with you. And yeah, folks can find me if you're interested. I have two books. Everything's on my website, ashleynace.com. You can find permission to rest there. You can find how to breathe. You can find a page devoted to my podcast, Deeper Call, as well as my Substack. And I'm on Instagram as well, Ashley underscore niece. I'm mostly hanging out these days on Substack. I'm just loving the community over there. It feels like the early days of blogging where it's just, it's really different. It's really, speaking of intentional, it's really intentional. It's long form content. It's like less about the attention economy and more about just diving deep. So that's where you can find me. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if this episode resonated with you, I'd be so grateful if you could share it with someone in your life who you think could benefit from it. And if you haven't already left a rating and a review on iTunes, it really is the best way to support the show. And if you're craving more real talk and coaching and community, be sure to check out my membership, the Kick-Ass Stepmom community. Head to www.kickassstepmom.com to learn more.